Hello, I'm Rachel England and welcome to Brain Yapping, the podcast where comedian and actual qualified neuroscientist Dr. Dean Burnett gets put through his paces with brain-related questions by me, not a neuroscientist, without any advance warning or prior preparation, in a bid to demonstrate that science isn't always as slick as it seems. Ah, oh, professional. Yep, slapping the table. <laughs> okay, do you want to kick things off, Dean? Okay, uh, hello, welcome again to Brain Flapping. Got a, yeah, Almost there, it's almost instinctive now. No, it's not as wrong, isn't it? <laughs> it's Let's not. Try that again. It's not even the name <laughs> of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's just working so hard. <laughs> Skipped over the target. <laughs> Hit the peripheral. Um, I'll leave that in, bollocks to it. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Brain Yapping. Yeah. This is, this is audio. Um, yes, I'm Dean. This is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello. We haven't spoken doing in this context for a little while, have we? It's been two months? It's been nearly two months, yeah. Yeah. In that, in that time, you've travelled the planet. I've, I literally have travelled to the other side of the earth. Yeah, and I've yeah. actually written a whole book. Uh, yeah. So don't, don't ever let anyone tell us we are unproductive people. <laughs> yeah. I was particularly intrigued because when this podcast... It's be, it went live it's become live in the interim since we uh last recorded and as soon as i like new new podcast brain yapping the two hosts are literally on opposite sides of the planet <laughs> yeah. i was actually in new zealand when i when i heard it for the first time and um the people i was traveling i was traveling with i sort of made them sit around and listen to it and i like a crappy tinny speaker that we were taking around with us yeah um and it was, I mean, they, they really enjoyed it. Loads That's of positive important. feedback, yeah. but I had to just go and sit outside because I was like, can't listen to myself. No, no, this I, is terrible. Well, I have to edit it. I don't have to. I choose to. Like, I remember you said you're willing to do it, but as soon as I got the setup, but it's a weird, I've sort of grown immune to it in terms of, uh, but like, it doesn't sound like me anymore. It just sounds like, oh, is that arsehole again? Just <laughs> mumbling in the background. And, oh yeah, that's what I sound like, isn't it? But I've, I'm so detached, so objective. It sort of helps me listen to it, but I don't listen to it again afterwards for pleasure. No, because, I mean that's that's what we spoke about last time, isn't it? Why we hate the sounds of our oh yeah, voices. we did, yeah, yeah, that's course, yeah. Um, so I suppose it's been a while, just yeah. <laughs> constantly listening to yourself, you just become immune yeah. to it. But I'm not there yet. No, no, it, uh, it's it's not a fun process. I'll say that much. No, I came home the other day and uh, my boyfriend was playing in the kitchen. I was just like, la, 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 fingers and ears go upstairs. Oh, he's playing the podcast? Yeah. So I thought he said he was playing in the kitchen. Like, so oh, he was just like he sat on the floor with, little, with a train set. Just Play-Doh and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big boy. <laughs> yeah, paint everywhere. David. <laughs> Play spaghetti. <laughs> I'm a cook at dinner. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, um, anyway. Hello. So now we are back. We are. Um, and today I want to talk about misophonia. Okay. So for those unfamiliar with misophonia, it's like basically... Myself. Okay. This should be fun. <laughs> Good. Um, my understanding of it is it's a really intense hatred of a particular sound. Okay, yeah. Um, and not a hatred insofar as, oh, that's kind of unpleasant, or I don't like that, that's a bit icky. Hmm. But it, the... That's the sound can spark in somebody a really emotive response. All right, yeah, go and on. this is something that I didn't realise I had until somebody wrote an article about it a year or two ago. I remember as a child being in the living room and my mum was knitting, and lit out of nowhere, the clack 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 of her needles, knitting needles, just became so unbearably loud in my head, and. I found it so irritating and so annoying. It made me feel angry and mm. upset. 
And like, I wanted to just, I like, I had to just get away from those. I just had to escape from mm. it. I was having like a really powerful reaction to this completely innocuous noise. Mm. And throughout the rest of my life, I've had it with a couple of other things. For example, um, people clacking on loud keyboards mm. or uh, one that I have that sort of presents itself quite frequently at the moment is uh, a PlayStation controller or an Xbox mm. controller. The clacking of the joystick and the buttons and the, the shoulder keys being pressed. Yeah, I want to say that um, as you were talking about this, I heard my heater just click in the background. So I'm going to turn that off now <laughs> on the off chance that the, this results in some form of bloodshed. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's evidently like it's not such a serious yeah. <laughs> issue that I'm like maiming people that yeah. make the but it, it, it made me very conservative to the point but I'll be distracted by it now thinking is that going is that literally driving you no around the bend as clocks it? a ticking yeah. clock hmm. again a lot of people are like oh you know I find it a bit irritating but for me and for people that have this condition it's enough to drive me to distraction I feel hmm. so stressed out by it and so like upset hmm and it's it's such a powerful feeling that I have, and my understanding is is it's it's something to do with your brain, kind of interpreting these sounds in an odd way, mm, a negative way, yeah. Because clearly, you know, I don't feel I don't have that reaction when I'm listening to music, or you know, to people talking, or a, a sewing machine is fine, or a car engine. It's just a very specific set of sounds. Mm. For me. And for other people, they have things like, you know, people eating. Yeah, I've heard that one. the sound of footsteps or mm. whatever. So mm. what what's going on? Okay, so a couple of potential options come to mind. Um, I do I do sort of think, was it, were you setting this up? The big talk about, isn't it annoying listening to my voice? And then suddenly, this is sounds make people oh, no. furious with rage. No, 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 no. <laughs> so See, this is the difference. It's like listening <laughs> yeah. to my own voice just makes me feel depressed because I'm like, <laughs> right. Christ, is that what I sound like? Wow. Yeah. Um, but I could yeah. listen to it. You know, I'd feel like it, it, emotionally yeah. uncomfortable. It's, but- it's, it's a rational reaction as in, oh, is that, do I sound like that? Yeah. Whereas like knitting needles, there's no. Yeah. The, ta- uh, the tapping or mm. clacking of a keyboard or whatever, there's, there's no rational reaction. I feel angry and mm. upset and desperate. Like I have to get away from this. Yeah. I've heard like, well, there are certain sounds that everyone, everyone is sort of strongly stimulated by generally. The classic one being the whole fingernails on a blackboard thing. Mm. Also, I guess trigger warning. We're going to talk about deeply unpleasant, annoying sounds for people. Sure, yeah. So if we're going to mention these things, if they give you that, that creepy spine feeling. Um, the, uh, one argument I've heard about that is the whole fingernails blackboard thing is that because the sound itself is reminiscent. This is the theory. I'm not sure how valid it is, if it is at all, but it's vaguely reminiscent of like stuff like the roar of prehistoric creatures or like the roar of a, a saber-toothed tiger. Okay. Because it sounds like a sort of dangerous animal nearby and therefore anything with an instinctive dislike of that noise, get rid of that, get away from that, Yeah. will have a greater chance of survival. Again, we're into evolutionary psychology stuff here. You can't really prove that either way, but it's an intriguing theory. It, does ex- it explains why we just have this instinctive dislike of what is essentially a pattern of noise, mm. you know, we don't like other ones. But the knitting needle one obviously is a bit more oblique. And so how, how old were you, would you say, you were when you first remember having this I was, reaction? I was young, five mm. maybe. Because the thing I'm thinking of there is that when you're young, you respond more to things anyway because you don't have the systems in place in your brain to mitigate responses or think, well, that's fine. This is not fine. Deal with that. Don't deal with that. So you will react emotionally to stuff anyway. You know, kids have tantrums. Kids yeah. are like freaked out by shadows on the wall and 
balloons pop in, which we know are like that's perfectly harmless stuff. So, you know, we, we overreact to things anyway. So my thinking is, if you're sitting there listening to the click, 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 you know, at first there's nothing to it, but it would have been an unpredictable sound, wouldn't it? It'd been like sort of, there'd be no set rhythm to it. You'd mm-hmm. stop and then commit something else. It's a very prominent pattern, but also a very unpredictable one. And one thing we have an instinctive dislike for at a fundamental level is randomness and predictability. Okay. It's something I've mentioned a lot in a lot of my work in that there's a sort of sweet spot in the human brain for what music or what sounds of music we like. And I saw a very good talk at the New Scientist Day by Professor Morten Krinkelbach, which is a Danish man. And he studies this. And in their experiments to show like that exact spot of what good music is, they use funk music. Mm-hmm. They end up with this 50-year-old lanky professor dancing to James Brown for us, which was a wonderful sight. <laughs> And the argument is, or like the evidence suggests, that for the sounds which we like, I have to have a certain amount of syncopation, but not too much syncopation, which is like too much randomness. So like if you look at one end of the scale, you've got something like a metronome or a clock, you know, tick, 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 tick. Mm. Very, 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 very predictable, very clear patterns of sound. They don't stimulate us. Like, okay, those are those are there. Like, you get used to that very quickly. If it's enough randomness so like it's kind of unpredictable but not totally unpredictable like with music a lot of music is there's a pattern there but it's a deep rich pattern so you can sort of decipher it and that becomes very stimulating the brain likes that it's both novel and random at the same time which mm. the brain sort of likes it's like familiar it's not threatening but it's also novel and stimulating that's really cool push it too far the other way you get just random noise that's unsettling again like a lot of people don't like free jazz because of the whole like it's just it's just yeah. all of the notes at once. <laughs> exactly, yes. Pick one. It's like classic quote of the Simpsons where he's listening to jazz, like this violinist and the guy sitting next to the table next to her says, Sound like she's hitting a cat with a baby. <laughs> she goes <laughs> she said, You have to listen to the notes she's not playing. And he goes, Well, I can do that at home. <laughs> so I thought it was yeah. a lovely uh, a lovely line from Golden Age Simpsons. But yeah, so you know, we we have a certain sensitivity to sound anyway. We like certain sounds or others, but when something's unpredictable mm. that that sort of will put our teeth on edge like stop it like have you ever, ever read much um pratchett yes, about yeah the the disc world series yeah. veterinary's classic tactic of having people in his waiting room with a clock which doesn't tick right yeah it's not enough to complain about but it's everything it'll occasionally miss a second or it'll do 10 ticks in seven seconds you sit the list of 10 minutes he said parts of your brain are going quietly insane <laughs> just, yeah. and that's a sort of how that works and like it's a unreliable unpredictable sound so if you were like five and this noise is there, which you can't get away from, because obviously it's your, it's your mother or grandmother? My mum, yeah. Your mother. Like, you know, she's the authority figure. She's the centre of your life. You know, she's in charge here. Mm. They're five. She's making this noise, but you can't... You no, know, it's not doing anything particularly invasive, but it's presenting you with a constant, random, unpredictable stimulus, which will... Your brain will go, I don't... No, I don't like that. And if that's enough to set you off at a young age, like, you, your, your brain makes a link of random clicks equals annoying, equals bad, equals strong emotion... And you four four to five, that is exactly the right age where your brain forms these things. So you will have a strong reaction to that. You know, that's that's one of your fundamental. one of the most fundamental things you'll have learned, and therefore you still don't like random clicks. It's, it becomes a, a lifelong thing, as it seems to be the case. Do you think again a lot of it is sort of an element of control? Because you mentioned obviously I'm sat there with mum. Mum's your authority figure. She's knitting. Mm. She's not doing anything wrong. So I can't very well turn around and go, "Can you stop that? Mm. That's ridiculous." Yeah. Um, but it's irritating me, and I know I can't stop it, so I'm getting more stressed out. Yeah, exactly. There's a feedback loop, as in, I don't like this sound, yeah. but that's mum, authority figure, like you're five years old, you don't know how things work yet. Challenge an adult, 
Mm. There's a lot of kids. If, if they sit and think about it, then some of them will just some of them will just kick off and yell and shout and punch and stuff. Which I mean, I don't. I, I mean, half my kids don't do that. But the uh, the fact is that you know, if it's not something particularly, it's not clear and blunt. Like they say to you, no, and you go, well, why not? But they're not doing anything challenging. Mm. But like, so you got the option of either I try and argue with mum, which is not good, or I sit here and listen to this, which is also not good. Mm. So then like, you're caught between the two dilemmas and then it becomes more and more stressful, feedback on itself, loop round and round again and again, and then you end up with that just a strong emotional response to something which is objectively relatively harmless and innocuous. So how do I explain it now? As a, mm. as a grown woman, you know, I'm obviously more mentally developed than a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. I completely understand how irrational it is to be annoyed when my boyfriend's downstairs clacking away on the xbox hmm. um and i know as well in my mind i'm like if i just went down and was like please stop doing that then he would he would stop it hmm. so i do have that element of control i am rational about it and yet hearing it just it, it's not a case of it setting my teeth on edge you know like um if you scrape a fork across a plate mm, you know in a yeah. restaurant and everyone kind of goes Ugh. yep <laughs> just had that. it's it's not like that yeah. it's like a real anger mm. it's really weird i i have similar things not to that extent but with certain words if an adult uses the word tummy in oh, i hate the word tummy but, yeah but i do too but i can't <laughs> tell you why Is no it... i can't yeah. it's, it's so infantile yeah maybe that's it as in you're you're being incongruous here you are an adult you are saying the word tummy yeah. in a perfectly adult context and that's wrong. That's yeah. co- that completely defies my sense of how a world should work. That makes it, you're you're right. I'm yeah. the same. I people, ad, grown adults that use the word tummy, mm. unless they are talking to a child, no. Yeah, stop it. Well, like a friend of mine on Facebook, I won't mention his name, but everyone knows who he is. He was giving a big report of his latest oncologist diagnosis. He's you know, he's got stage four cancer, and he kept using the word tummy throughout it. As the masses oh. have grown in my tummy. That, Oh. This, is, this is literally the worst case scenario. What? I, yeah, 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 I'm freaking out because yeah. I want to chastise you for this, but I yeah. can't. This is absolutely no way I can get away with that in this context. But Why would so anyone weird, think it? of my needs? Talking about the tumours in my tummy. Yeah, that, that, if that was making it worse. So like, no, no, don't, don't infantise this. This is, say stomach, say guts, I, I don't care, the, say bowels. I don't the mind. damning contrast, though, between something yeah. that's serious and depressing and bleak and very adult is the word tumour. Yeah. And then something is like, you know. Twee. Twee yeah. and infantile yeah. and cutesy as the word tummy. Yeah. It, I, don't put them together. I think it's also when someone do it on purpose. I'm like, it doesn't bother me so much. Like, oh, like, like talk to a child. I said, wrong with your tummy. Like, that's, that's fine. I don't like it, but it's like it's totally understandable. People talk. You know, with the kids all the time. Yeah. There's a there's a whole body of research about that as well. Like why we have this weird default to more rudimentary sort of softer language. You know, it's like an instinctive thing, which is good. But when actual adults use it in the adult con- context and say tummy, I think no, d- d- yeah, <laughs> this is wrong. I think that's what it is. Maybe it's the incongruity of it. It's like I know how the world works. I know how people talk. You are thwarting that, and also you are preventing me from doing anything about it because I can't actually have any logical basis to take yeah, the task you lash it. out at them <laughs> yeah. because they've used the word tummy that makes you a psychopath precisely it? yes and that's therefore you gotta sit with it and yeah. deceive yourself which makes you a bit more stressed as a result of it but again why that word why they, well we said because it's so twee but why do we think it's twee why does it provoke that sense of um 
maybe because it invokes the childhood side of you. Like, this is for childhood things, nice, wholesome, yeah. harmless things. Don't use it as in adult <laughs> formal context. <laughs> like oncology, for yeah. example. Yeah. It's like putting a kid in a three-piece suit for his fourth birthday parties. No, that's just weird. You yeah, know, yeah. On a bouncy castle. That's very jarring. Yeah, it? like jarring. That's probably the word I was after, yeah. So, so there's that. But like, certain sounds, like, do you know of anyone else who has similar examples? Like, uh... Uh, So my sister, which is curious, I wonder if there's any sort of hereditary hmm. element here. Um, when people are tapping their nails on a table or a desk or something. Right. Now, that doesn't spark the same response in me. For me, I'm just like, that's kind of a bit annoying, but I can live with it. But for her, no. She, she has the same sort of very emotive um, sort of fight or flight response mm. to it that I do when someone's clacking on a keyboard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably something that's happened in your very young age when, you're, when your brain's still forming and it made that connection. Mm. This sound equals bad. But I know that yeah. my sister and I are, are definitely not alone in this. Obviously, mm. I've, I've done a bit of reading. Um, a lot of people's main trigger is listening to people eat. Yeah, yeah, that's... I think it's also, again... I wonder if a big part of it, again, this is uncharted territory for me as well. I wonder if a big part of it is, like I say, the loss of control. Mm. You can't tell someone, stop eating. Well, you can, but you know, if they eat in a wrong context, like if it's like, stop eating, <laughs> this is a funeral, that's, that's, that's fine. Yes. Uh, but if you are, you know, in a social context where eating is fine, like say if you're, if you're in a shared office, someone's having lunch, well, you say, stop eating, that noise and back, you know that you're being, quote unquote, unreasonable there. Because your reaction isn't logical. That's one of the problems people have with phobias all the time in that, like, like people dispense pearls of wisdom, but you've got a phobia, oh, just embrace it, you know, face your fears, I'll fix it. It doesn't, because people with phobias are invariably fully aware that what their reaction is nonsense. Mm. Like you said about your spider reaction, you know, at a, a logical level, that a spider will not hurt you. No, a tiny little spider in the corner won't, is no, no, no actual risk to you, mm. but arachnophobe sees one, they'll just flinch and scream and shout and, because the brain operates at the more emotive subconscious level, it makes connections with sensory stimulus, not with logical reason. And sometimes the logical part of your brain doesn't overrule the emotions. So what it does, it tries to control and deflect and guide them. I think the example I use is that in the Richard book I wrote, that the frontal part of your brain, which controls the emotional reactions to stuff, that develops slower than the emotional processes in the limbic system and so on during adolescence. That's when the brain sort of gets itself into gear, fixes everything up, right? Everything's be heightened and refined, like updates everything for the, for the, for the adult world. And so the, the emotional system becomes ready before the frontal lobe, the consciousness system, which controls it. Mm-hmm. You say controls, guides it, limits it, keeps it on. It sort of keeps on a leash. I, I describe it as like someone walking an overly friendly dog. The dog might jump on someone. You can't stop the dog from trying but you can pull the leads. So stop that, stop that. So now I've just got this image of like a cute little brain with like googly <laughs> eyes being walked down the road. Yeah, I used to use that slide a lot, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you may have seen that. Maybe that's where that's come from. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not the most creative person when it comes to brain based imagery. But in my defense, it's a horrifically ugly organ. You've got to work with what you've got. As opposed, well, that, 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 take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Slap a pair of googly eyes on it. <laughs> no. As a heterosexual female, will that make it better or worse? Oh, I don't. Um, I don't know actually. I mean, I, I think it would certainly make it look less aggressive. <laughs> Is that yeah. oh, God. Not not recommended though. I did not expect this to go here <laughs> at this <laughs> no, point it's, of the it's competition. Gone south. Ah, very nice. Um, 
so yeah, but it's the you know, so sort of like that part of your brain as you're, when you're a child, everything's sort of a little bit more chaotic. When you're adolescent, the emotive responses have more influence because the part of your brain which limits them isn't ready yet. So like during adolescence, that can be quite quite powerful. But then it's, it's still it's still the thing in your adult life. Like I say, your emotional reactions are faster, mm. more intense. The brain sort of tends to categorize things based on those. So if something is causing an emotional reaction in you, that'll occur before your brain, your conscious thinking, logical brain, gets a chance to keep a lid on it. Another example, it's like, you know, uh, a wise and grandfather apologizing to the firemen for uh, the kids setting the alarm off. Like they're only, they're only small. They don't know what they're doing. Sorry about that. You can smooth the situation over, but the, the thing still happens. Mm. So you still have the powerful emotional response to the thing you don't like. And the fact that you can't stop the response, you experience it, but then you know, like, well, I got no outlet here. There's no actual way to get away from this. So right. I hear someone eating, like, also some people do eat in a very grim way. Let's, be, yeah. <laughs> let's not discount that. As in like, it's not entirely without, without, without blame there. No. Yeah. Some people do like, it's, it's, it's vile. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I mean, that's, that's quite, yeah. that's quite true. There are people that just eat in like a very disgusting way, yeah. but then there are some people that just eat, I suppose, in a, a relatively normal way. Yeah. And, and that still triggers the, and it's still triggering yeah. for people that have yeah. this condition. I took kids, I vaguely related. I took the kids to a, a local farm recently. It was like a, you know, those visitors' farms, and they were feeding the pigs, and the pigs eat rather politely. But <laughs> yeah, actually, you're yeah. right. I saw a, saw a pig, a couple of pigs, when I was in New Zealand, and yeah. I was just yeah. watching them. Yeah. So dainty. <laughs> they're very well behaved. They're yeah. very orderly. So this this comparison is unfair in, in every sense of the word. Yeah, I was honestly thinking, yeah. God, I know people that are more disgusting to watch oh, eating yeah. than these pigs. Yeah, so that's again, let's flag that one up as a potential uh, thing to take the task. Yeah. So actually, yeah, when you say you're eating like a pig, <laughs> well, that's not fair, is it, on yeah. the pigs getting a bad Bad rap yeah. here. Although we'll say it reminds me of yet another Simpsons joke where the guy who hates Frank Grimes pops up who hates Homer. Look at him, he eats like a pig. He's, no, pigs tend to chew their food. I think he eats more like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Just pushing whole donuts into his mouth yeah. and swallowing them. <laughs> Uh, like a duck, yeah. I've not been sponsored by Macaroni here or anything. I'm just, uh, I was a big fan the back in the day. Episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this, the sound which triggers you to have this emotional response, it'll still do that. Mm. But you try to stop, you know, you have to deal with it. You have to process that emotional reaction, usually in the context where you can't actually do anything about it. Mm. So, you have to accept it. A, I'm having an irrational response to this. B, I have to put up with the source because, you know, social, social, uh, situation means I don't get to complain about it. Yeah. And, and you know that's right. But then also that sets up another uh, you know, disparity between I know I shouldn't do it and I'm not going to do it, but I want to. And I'm denying myself whilst also told. So it's like a smorgasbord of different annoyances that you're having to deal with. And that can just make things worse. So you don't process it properly. You just have to sit there and let it marinate. And then you become more and more peeved by it. And then when it happens again, You've also got the original trigger of the sound, and then memory of oh, I put up with this again. Well, yeah, so one of yeah. one of my biggest challenges with it was when I worked in an office many years ago, and I worked behind a guy who would type like his life depended on it. <laughs> and this was back in the days when, like, keyboards, you know, it was like a a big sort of yeah. square box for a computer. Oh um, yeah, big, like the big sort of raised keys as well. Yeah, like, yeah. so big raised clack 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 keys, and um he would just just smash him like there was no tomorrow smash 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 <clears throat> excuse me and it would drive me wild because it was so so loud hmm. 
And I've always been a bit irritated by just the the tapping of keys anyway. But his was so loud that it really started to like interfere with my ability to do my job to the mm. point where like one day I was so on edge and so like besides myself with frustration and, and frustration and feeling angry and thinking, oh my God, at any minute I'm just going to like stand up and throw a book at him or something. Mm. I had to go out and buy earplugs to like wow. okay, take, so take the edge off. This was it. pretty bad then, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was. And I look back on it now and I'm like, okay, he was doing his job in the office. So obviously I couldn't stand up and shout mm. him about it. But other people in the office did say, yes, he was, he's very loud typer. He's a very <laughs> yeah. forceful typer. So I guess there was just like a whole m- melody then or a whole like smorgasbord of effects that were going on for me, which was one, the typing is irritating anyway. Mm. Two, I cannot escape it. This is my place of work. <clears throat> and whilst I'm dealing with this, I have to be concentrating on other things. Yeah. Three, he is being very loud. Mm. So I am cross and irritated with him because he doesn't need to be doing it this loudly. Yeah. And it just all came together to just... Uh, yeah. And also, you know, you're in a workplace environment, you don't necessarily have the authority to, you know, you're not his boss or anything, so you can't tell him type gentler. But even if I was his boss, I mean, what, yeah, who, exactly. who says but that? It's also the, the social laws of, is that a weird thing to say? It is. Yeah. It? It's sort of like, I either, you know, he's typing too loud, which is wrong. Me telling him not to type so loud is wronger because that's weird. <laughs> it's like, well, I who guess says this, that? Is, this is the thing I have um, at home. It's like I said, you know, the control is there. If I said to Dave, please don't play that's driving me nuts, he would stop. Mm. But I guess I know that me asking that is ridiculous. Yeah, we are such a social creature that the idea of being rejected or sour in a relationship is actually a lot more, takes a lot more effort than people realise. Yeah. It, it seems like something so innocuous, but like, especially with your partner, like this is someone I obviously care about a great deal, more than most people, more than everyone in some, many cases. Do I want to risk the damn risk that connection over something which I know is technically illogical and no? You can look at it logically and say that's when again the emotional reaction, the logical reaction at mm-hmm. such odds. Emotional saying this is driving me up the wall. Logically, logical brain going, it's literally someone clicking a button. Yeah. What, what can you? Why would this be a problem? And I, I think I wrote a piece about it a while ago. Like that's sort of my argument as to why passive-aggressive behaviour is so unsettling and so infuriating. Someone says to you, I hate you, I'm going to take outside, let's, let's fight. You don't like that, but you know exactly where everyone stands. You're like, thinking, oh, this person doesn't like me. I have choices about what to do about that. Yeah, so it's clear, at least. But with passive-aggressive, it's so uh, a huge amount of uncertainty, too. Like, someone invites all your friends to a party, but not you. Mm. You don't know for certain if, is that a personal attack? Is that, it could genuinely be an oversight on their part. It could be, you know, it's just some sort of, <clears throat> they don't have enough space, you're the last person on the list or whatever. So it, it's a lot more uncertainty when it comes to passive aggressive. People go, oh no, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Sorry, were you there the whole time? Oh, you know, that it completely robs you of the ability to, you know, to, to know what's going on. Yeah. And therefore, like, it, uh, it, it, it a lot more uncertainty and then you become a lot more frustrated. Yeah. It becomes, you know, it becomes a, and then you can't do anything about it. You lose control as well. That loss of autonomy is one of the most stressful things you can deal with. That's why so many jobs are awful. Somebody mentioned my talk a lot recently. Like, I know the current book talk about uh, happiness and one chapter is 
the work-life balance. Mm. So, which is, a, which is a phrase that's always intrigued me because, logically speaking, on one side of the equation you've got life, and therefore on the other side you've got work, which is by definition then not life. Yeah. So I said in my talks, I would say so. Like going by this equation, that means work is a state of waking death, and so many people in the audience are going, "Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not saying anything unusual." With, but, their, with their glassy <laughs> thousand-yard stare, yeah. just nodding. Yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens. So yeah, there's um. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on there. Okay, so obviously we've spoken quite a bit about how this sort of formed when I was younger as a child. Mm. What explanation is there, though, for this affecting somebody for the first time, perhaps when they're older? Could it be maybe they're going through a a period of stress or anxiety? Mm. They've got some other stuff going on, and that kind of paves the way for this? I'm guessing so. There's, we, I can't see any reason why that wouldn't happen. Like there's lots of stuff in like medical literature, like poor poor sleeping, for example. That can be very um, dependent on your current situation. Are you ill? Are you overly stressed? Are you on any medication? Are you drinking too much? Are you doing too much coffee or things like sleepwalking? And that's sort of where the inner workings of the brain get a little bit frayed, a bit mm-hmm. confused because when you fall asleep, your motor cortex is suppressed, the activity is lowered. Because uh, that, that way you don't act out your dreams. Because if you remember dreaming, you're often doing lots of weird stuff, running around, jumping. If your body was doing that in bed, then no one would ever share a bed with anyone else ever. And mm. you can see, see how in the wild that would be a bad thing. So yeah. no predator going past that. Those small creatures seem to make a lot of noise, but they're also unconscious. That's pretty handy for uh, dinners just walking exactly. away past me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> unconscious. That's that's convenient. So that's you know. But then sometimes lacks the ability to do that or stops doing it therefore you end up sleepwalking and thrashing around so I, I, that happens I can see easy reasons why you know a certain thing which has been innocuous for quite some time suddenly triggers off this huge emotional response it's like we spoke about a while ago food poisoning like you can have the same food constantly you think you, you, you like it but then one time it makes you sick the brain's like oh no ever again anything which prompts yeah. that strong powerful response tends to stick quite quite heavily because emotional reactions are how the brain gauges things a lot of the time sure okay so basically i have had this issue for most of my life hmm. is there anything i can do to rectify it or is this something that i just maybe have to make peace with the fact <laughs> that you know for as long as i live if i'm near somebody that's clacking loudly on a keyboard there hmm. life is potentially at risk i <laughs> this that i suppose i will say i realize how not unique you are because there are wow, rude. <laughs> well, in this, do I have to edit that out? Or in this context, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. But because you see it so many times on like on Twitter or Facebook, or any other social media, people saying, "Oh, this person actually left the on them on their smartphone. They've left the button sounds on, and therefore they are they'll be first against the wall when the revolution comes." So that seems to be a very common complaint. Yeah, I mean, so, rightly so. Yeah, well, well, exactly. You, you think that, but it does seem to be very like in a train carriage. I'm sounding like someone they've left the the button sounds on yeah. their phone. Oh my god, this is the worst thing ever. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it is. But but again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's the combination of all the different factors. Which is one, you can't really shout at them because they're just on their phone. Yeah. Um, two, it's out of your control. Mm. Um, and three, there is that element there of ignorance on their part. Yeah. Like I told you about the clacky guy in my office <coughs> yeah. typing really loudly. Like you don't need to be typing that loudly. This person doesn't need to have the keypad sounds on. No. But, so and yeah, it yeah. all culminates 
yeah. to this point where you think, oh my God, I'm just going to lean over and just punch it out of their hand. Yeah. I, I would like to see some stats of whether or not this is a largely British thing because we are so conditioned to oh, that's interesting, put yeah. up with it apart from the occasional Brexit. And, but, but, you know, so sort of like, don't make, a, don't make a fuss in public, you know, like stiff up a lip, whereas your more Mediterranean uh, communities seem to be far more open about yelling at people <laughs> for sure, doing yeah. daft things. So. Yeah, I wonder if there's any particular instance or like data about that. So I'll look up, I'll look that up at some point. That's interesting, actually. That's a very valid point. I wonder if a lot of the frustration and sort of swirling fury that you feel stems as a result of the, you know, Mm. the very cavalier, oh, it's fine attitude of the Brits. Yeah. Well, we tend to act out in weird ways, (laughs) as it it seems. (laughs) Well, yes. But yeah, but yeah, that that does seem to be a, what to do about it. I don't know if it's anything like uh, like phobia therapy. You would sort of gradually exposing yourself to it in manageable doses would be a way to take the edge off. Mm. But again, I guess it depends how deep it goes. It might be something you're kind of just stuck with, uh, not to bleakly diagnose you with a lifelong condition. But no, I mean it's it's it, not the end of days. Obviously, I've I've managed to sort of get this far, and mm. nobody has. You know, I've not killed anyone yet, so no. it's obviously yeah. something that can be lived with. But you always is... say yet, and I'm, I'm starting to find that a little well, bit disconcerting. Yeah, it's not, not ruling anything out. Oh, yeah, I um, guess you're just working with the, with the data you've got to hand, I suppose. Yeah, um, but it, yes, I mean it is it is unpleasant, and I'm quite fortunate in that my lifestyle, you know, working from home and whatnot, means mm. that I can actually avoid a lot of the stimulus that pisses me off. But I have a huge amount of empathy for people that have to tolerate this these yeah. triggers all the time because it's. It's a very stressful sensation. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you saw how I reacted just to someone using the word tummy, and that's sort of. <laughs> well, you, you seem to react similarly, which I was very reassured there by. We, well, there honest. we go. Yeah. That, was, that was quite nice. So at least you can say you're definitely not alone in this. It's a very common occurrence. It's just an odd one, I suppose. Like it, we've sort of created a world which is uh, compels us to put up with it when we really don't want to. Yeah, I'd be interested as well. Um, anyone listening to this, if they'd like to get in touch with words. Mm. Words or sounds that cause them the same oh, yes, level of, please. of I mean, effect. That'll be the least pleasant Twitter feed ever. Or like, but, <laughs> I'll just be looking at it with one eye open, yeah. like, oh, God, they've said this word. Ew. Yeah. yeah. Um, at BrainyapInPod on Twitter, should you wish to contribute there. And our email address is BrainyapInPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Yes. Be, yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so, because you set one up, then I'd get a new one because it expired. It was it was confusing. But, it, was, uh, it was a whole mess of technology. Yeah. But, you know, that's fine. Cool. cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dean. Um, thank and you, Rachel. Just, just to reiterate, you needn't live in fear of your ticking heater. Okay. Uh, thank you. You are you are safe for another day. Yes. Again, another day. Very very short term. <laughs> very uncertain. Not making any promises. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Cheers. If you'd like to read the Brain Yap in blogs, go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash blogs, where you'll find Brain Yap in plus lots of other exclusive science blogs from the likes of Helen Chesky. John Butterworth, Susie Gage, Ginny Smith, and others. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it on social media. Give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as that does really help us out. If you'd like to support the show and everything we make at Cosmic Shambles, you can pledge via Patreon for as little as $1 a month. There's lots of great reward tiers available too. Go to patreon.com forward slash bookshambles or follow the links from cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.